Welcome to I the Show, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. I'm Brady. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to be talking about panspermia and how we can possibly market that to the reptilian shapeshifters in the Illuminati. On today's episode, we were going to talk about education, but we went off on an existential tangent instead. So sit back, load your weed pipe, it's time for I Digress. And then we'll just so, keep going. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've just I think about this stuff all the time though, because and then you don't talk about it. You keep it inside because mm-hmm. most people that you know, one, they're wrapped up in their own thing. You don't want to burden them. No. Or two, do they care? Probably not. I mean, do they just want to be an inst- what is it, an Instagram influencer or yeah. screech about some political thing they read on Facebook? I look for them to try to ban Facebook pretty soon anyways, because I read the other day that they're like, 80% of what is on there is fake news and it's shaping social opinion. It's like, who, who thinks Facebook stuff is real? A lot of people, unfortunately. Why? Um, there, there's the... When you reach an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like us, for example. Even if only 10 people listen to this, now we all of a sudden have the ability to shape... The their, idea of those ten people, if they opinion. choose to listen to us, you know, okay. just just the very sound waves coming out of our mouth, true, will be processed by their brain through their ears, and that no matter what will change them in some sort of way. So even though we're not actively trying to influence people's opinions, their yeah. opinions will be influenced because they took the time to listen to yes, us. Yes, because uh, we were talking about earlier, everything that your brain does is reactionary, essentially. True. Uh, so when your brain receives a sound wave through your ears, processes that sound wave, and then that gets you know stored in some neurons for memory, but then it also will be compared to other neurons and other sound waves you've heard, and just no matter what, you're going to be changing your the neurological activity of somebody just by the sound wave going into their ears. And that is why Katie so one way is or so the other, you're making a change days because there's so much noise now. And when I talk about noise, I don't even mean just literal noise going in my ears. I mean I'm. Re- constant assault of reading and people's opinions and people's behavior it never lets up and now because we have these devices and i'm pointing at my phone people you (laughs) you never if you choose to you could never turn off no like you wake up grab you're on all day you go to sleep and then at night if you've got some sort of device going holy cow we are like innocent well i uh, this is directly related to like basically what we've been talking about for like the last half an hour. Yeah, we can I, I love uh, Elon Musk's kind of a vision of the future. Okay. Where you will have your, there will be like a settlement over in Mars, so just say like the space settling people. Okay. And their offspring will evolve to adapt to that climate and environment. Makes so sense. So if you're living on Mars, your body's going to have to change. Your DNA is going to have to replicate in a way to adapt to that climate yeah or to that environment you'll be in a closed system so there will be those kind of people and we're talking about really far into the future okay so you'll have these people who settled or were born on in space essentially martians, martians yeah. yeah possibly other planets were if we look farther into the future but for now we'll just focus on mars because that's kind of in the horizon mm-hmm. we might even see that in our lifetime someone's going to mars and going to live there somehow but um, you'll have the people who adapted to live in space. Okay. And then you'll have the essentially cyborgs who are like technologically augmented, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be through medical devices, because technically we're already cyborgs. The way the with phone. our smartphone, yep. it's just an extension of our body. It has a slow bandwidth because we have to move our thumb to get any kind of information from it. Then it has to leave as photons be processed as photons in our brain, whether it be words or a movie or something on your phone. There's a really big delay in bandwidth, but he sees that being fixed through some kind of an implant in your brain. It's coming. That the data just instantly streams into your brain and is processed as neurological activity rather than like being processed as something through sound or sight. We won't need the device anymore. We will be the device. Essentially, you're just writing neurological activity instead of doing it through your eyeballs. You'll be doing it through electrical signals from a piece of technology. It's a quicker way. It's a quicker dose, I guess. A quicker delivery system of the the information. Essentially, it'll be the same information, though. But um, you'll so you'll have your technologically augmented people or cyborgs. And um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they started building like robot body parts. Basically, any kind of technology to just improve the human condition. 
-hmm. there will be those people. You know, most of them will probably be wealthy to be able to afford these things. So you'll have your space, your people who evolved in like a space climate. You'll have your cyborgs, probably cyborgs in space. Okay. okay? And then you all will have like your normal people. And then eventually that'll be phased out by the, uh, like the designer babies, essentially. Well, that's already happening. Yeah. Everyone's going to be able to just be able to like pick the genetics of your child and it's not going to be perfect by any means. So you'll have your genetically augmented people, your technologically augmented people, and your space people. Okay. And that's kind of what our future is looking at. But I think no matter what, it implies some sort of an evolution forward from the human condition as we know it now. Well, I feel like we're, we're on the cusp trapped. of it right now. Anyways, we are, that, I feel like we're starting to fracture into these different mm-hmm. factions. Like, yeah. Well, with the cyborg guy you were talking about, it's a perfect yes. example. The guy with the same um, disease that... Was it Stephen Hawking had? The, yeah. Or your muscles waste. And so he basically is going to become a prisoner in his own body and die. That was his future. So he donated himself. He's experimenting on himself of becoming the first cyborg. I can't remember his name, but we'll link it. It's mm-hmm. just a fascinating story because, you know, a lot of people, the first impulse, especially in our country, is just if it's something you don't understand or it's something new, let's just degrade it or it's stupid or that's. And I hate that so much. It's like this guy's willing to, hey, I'm going to die. And instead of just accepting his fate, He's a, he's a physicist. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to become the world's first cyborg, and we're going to advance this. He, he might, he's still going to die, but yeah, we he's already are. alive longer because of these augmentations than they said he was going to be. He's two months over the the due date. Yeah. Of death, and yeah, we're all going to die. So I just that's but kind of uh, a thing. essentially sorry that, that just, was just fascinating. well no that's okay because that just proves that we're kind of on this cusp of <clears throat> I guess forcing evolution forward because biological evolution just takes a long time. Well, it's just how the nature of it. And I'm leaves. sure we've evolved as we currently are from as we were in like the 14th century. Just no matter what, there's some sort of minute evolution of our, of our DNA. Oh, I know we can take more radiation than we... Look oh, at the well, amount sure, of radiation yeah. that we are subjecting ourselves to via electronics <clears throat> alone. I bet yeah. on some subatomic level things have shifted. Yeah, and that's I think something people fail to also remember is there's this entire world... That we can't even see, where just the the smallest of things change, and it has such a big impact. So basically, the butterfly effect, but it, we're not talking about like in the fourth dimension of time. We're just talking about like subatomic uh, one quantum. subatomic particle changes, and that could have drastic effects over time. We yeah we can't the rest linearly see it because yeah. it takes a lot of and that's just it. Everything takes a lot of time to us, but it's really not a lot of time when you think about it in the scope of existence. Yeah, exactly. Well, does time really even exist? That's I don't the real know. question. As, has every is everything just existing all at once, and we're just somehow trapped on like a like a like a um, like the like a ski lift. In, essentially, but instead of like a, a wire that lifts a chair up a mountain, it's this wire of time in the fourth dimension, and we're just this chair kind of moving along it forward. I hate being bound to our concept of time. If anybody can figure out how to jump off the ski lift, <laughs> I will volunteer as tribute yeah. because I keep thinking about how limiting it is. Yeah, It's like, okay, you're bound to this linear progression through your life that we've all accepted as truth and it's like well all of a sudden you're getting older and more tired but in reality you might not be well, it's just because of what true. you're observing well time is so flexible too because it's uh, it's quote-unquote relative right exactly time is relative essentially but what does that really mean well it's been proven i don't know how proven this is it is science so it's very kind of uh, science yeah. sorry <laughs> it's um it's malleable okay at best but so like these little gnats they were studying, okay. their perception of time is much different than ours. Makes total sense. So when they, because it's relative, to us time moves one way, mm-hmm. to that gnat we're moving very slowly. So an insect that has like a three-day lifespan. Yeah. Well, wasn't it that kid's movie Epic? Remember the yeah. littler things moved faster because their lifespan was more abbreviated where we were like these big slow-mo creatures. Yeah, so. and so they've, been, they've done a lot of studies on that kind of thing because time is so relative. And then you have... Like the the guys on the space station who are orbiting the Earth, their perception of time is slightly different. I mean, we're, it's almost imperceptible because it's, we're talking like milliseconds. Okay. But, but to the point different. where their DNA ages slightly slower. They've already, you know. That's, that's fascinating. I, I guess they're stating that as a, as a fact currently. 
I would that like to people who are orbiting planets are you know they're they're aging slower apparently i i can try to find the article and link it in this um but there's there's actually a lot of articles by nasa about that phenomenon well, or like the people who went to the moon and back um, you know they're they aged a lot slower while away from the planet because okay. of gravity's effects i don't know i don't know the science behind it i'm not an expert anyway i'm just kind of stating what i've heard before about this but it came from nasa itself these studies so um, time is so is so crazy. So like, so we're perceiving time one way, right? Mayflies maybe another. maybe smaller organisms or even just subatomic particles are traveling time or the fourth dimension differently. But then you have in space itself in the universe, like you know, back out of your perception a little bit here. Time is basically distance at that point. Distance and time are, go hand in hand. But we measure. The distance years. by time yeah. instead of by miles. You can break it. You can convert it to miles and everything. It's such an astronomically large number. It's easier to It's say not worth it. But it years. literally just it takes light, the fastest thing that we know of, a certain amount of time to get here from another star. And that's True. how we measure it is that amount of time at light speed. Well, we have to think of it in that context, too, that the light getting here from Betelgeuse was actually light many, many, many years ago. Yeah, or, so just yeah. try to wrap your head around how time affects all of that how the fourth dimension even works when you're talking about that kind of stuff because again it, it can only really be talked about in relativity because every dimension is more or less a line mm -hmm. or two or three and they all intersect. but if you have just one single point there's no dimensions to it at all so time to even exist as the fourth dimension has to be some kind of a linear form from one point to another which is just bananas when you think about it. I just would like to be alive to see what some of the space people, like their adaptations to more radiation, um, oh, what yeah. subcellular changes are going to happen because of, you know, like it leaches the calcium out of your bones when you're up there. Yep. And it's like, so how are they going to adapt? I just would like to see it. I don't even care about being there's there. A, there's a lot of really fascinating to think about. There's a lot of really cool predictions like. about yeah. that because they have like? to they have to think about these things when going when planning a mission to send people to another planet. Yeah, are they going to have to augment yeah. their but body or create exoskeletons adapt. because you're not going to have any muscle function and so your brain's going to get bigger? I mean, probably. What's going to happen? I would predict at least that, or um, you know, I'm sure they'll at least have some kind of exercise regimen to keep their bones dense and their muscles working cause but your body's gonna have to the astronauts on the space station have there. to do that well yeah and they can only stay up there for a limited amount of time but yeah. is that time helping change their cellular structure it their would. dna it's and amazing then their children how fast that they give adapt. birth to yeah are gonna be you know like the kids that live near chernobyl yeah you know are they more adapted to bigger amounts of radiation and did they mutate in a way that they could, you know, have children that are even more adapted? Like, our it's, bodies it's, are fascinating. It's fun to think about. Um, it really is. I want ultraviolet vision. But uh, essentially, the DNA <laughs> of these people are going to have to adapt to those conditions no matter what. And it's I think true. we're going to, it'll be almost a completely other organism. So that's, it brings up the thought experiment of aliens. Like, if, if there were aliens on another planet, any kind of life on other planets, it would have to be adapt to, like, that particular like gravitational pull of that planet that they're on the particular amount of sunlight that they're getting from from wherever planet they're on the particular amount of oxygen or whatever they breathe if they breathe ammonia they have to have some sort of an organ to process that ammonia i just thought Stuff of the like movie that. evolution when those things were being born mm -hmm. i remember when the little dinosaurs the first few ones that came out they died because they couldn't handle it but then eventually one did come out yeah. They can handle it. And I just also thought about something. You know how Homo sapiens is the brand of human that we are. and But there was a lot of other brands, and that one became dominant. I always think about dominancy things because that yeah. is a big thing. So it's like oh, we're going to have survival these. Survival of the fittest. We're giving birth to different types of humans because of our technology, basically. Now, which one's going to reign supreme? I mean, because we're leaving the planet, is there going to be room for all of us, or are we going to be stupid? I feel like hmm. I'm going to take option A for stupid, Alex, because <laughs> we don't we don't seem to be able to handle ourselves very good when something new happens. It's like, kill yeah. the witch, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 exactly. I was just thinking about that earlier. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress no, so much okay. there, but I was just, all these things happened in my brain at once. I know. I feel you. Okay, well... <laughs> And is that going to get any worse when we have the Neuralink implant in our brain? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, well, we we'll have a see. whole bunch of people that won't get the Neuralink. Are they going to force them to get it? Like, I doubt it'll ever come to being forced to, but we'll be social pariahs at a certain point in time. If you don't get any of the augmentations and you're not a biologically augmented human through like the CRISPR, like genetic, genetic editing, you'll be less. If than. you're just normal, like as we perceive normal now, yeah. 
in the future, that type of human will essentially be kind of a social pariah. And not only that, we'll be so far behind yeah, develop- uh, the other the other forms of humans like we're not going to be as productive or efficient at almost anything than like the cybernetically augmented humans. We're not going to be as smart or like uh, disease resistance and all this other stuff than like the genetically edited people. So basically, humanity as we know it now is going to die off. Uh, essentially, yeah. I th- I don't think it's going to be the same at all. And I don't think any. I don't even think people as we know them now will exist in let's just say 250 years do you think we'll become like the people on wally because that terrifies me maybe i don't know i i do love imagining dystopian futures well i read was it a neil stevenson book i think it was it was talking about how people lived very very long lives because of augmentation and as they got older and their parts failed they had exoskeletons so to speak so they could Mm -hmm. still function because their brain your brain doesn't go away it might degrade if it gets some sort of disease but if you can keep it young and if you can keep it fed your brain can go on yeah it's the rest of your parts that degrade and die and that's That's true yeah again your body is just the vehicle for your brain yeah and it's that whole consciousness argument if you can keep a husk for that consciousness going you Mm -hmm. could technically live forever well that's where the whole transhumanist hope comes from i want to call it hope because again, I don't think it's kind of feasible necessarily to download your consciousness to a, I guess, a, a mechanical, I guess, vehicle for that consciousness that yeah. will never age in the way that humans biologically do. But what is? But you you're do? just going to be a copy. You're not going to be your exact replica. You're not transferring your consciousness over. You're essentially copying it, right? I'm going to clone grandma. It's so not going to be grandma. Can, it stops being grandma. Yeah, when I don't you clone think you can, yeah. unless you physically remove your biological brain and put that in another vessel. Do you think? People and even then, like, how? How will we? How will? Let's just say. Let's make a hypothetical here. Okay. okay? I like hypotheticals. Hypothetically, you're able to remove your brain from your biological vessel okay. and put it in some kind of a, like a technological vessel. Okay. Okay. So, all of a sudden, the form of input is now digital. It completely. So your changes. sight, your hearing, the way you're, you know, if there's any kind of a nervous system for feeling, anything like that. How does that change us consciously? Um, does it, how does that change us emotionally when those inputs are changed from a biological device to a mechanical I device? I think this Will is it? talking about what makes us human, though. Are you saying, like, think about it, if you can't receive input with the senses that we perceive as human now, are you still human? Or did you just become something else? Yeah, see, that that's a that's philosophical a, question, I would say. I'm, um, I'm a little disturbed by that, too. I'm thinking about it. And see, there's a lot it's, it's, of wealthy people that have their brains about. on ice right now. And it's yeah. like, are they saving it for that moment? Is it still going to be them? Because once you stop, I believe you stop that, that process once life ceases. Even if you're frozen, it's no longer you anymore. I feel yeah. like that energy has gone. It goes somewhere else. So there might be a code there. Or it might be, like, in that brain, I feel like the memories are still stored, maybe. And, like, you know, like when you write code. Yeah. But... That code might not ever play back the same. It, it might uh, be bugged. Probably not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you're talking about. Sorry, I'm just well, trying the, to put the it code in my own... essentially that you're talking about it's... is um, like uh, it's all neurological within your brain. And without that and spark that makes yes, it you, is it still you? Well, yes, there's electrical signals that are what the neurons kind of function yep. on. Um, they're essentially though all of it is stored on those neurons. I guess I don't know the exact like biology of it i guess it's listening it's to kinda, a record to, to me i don't even think brain i don't even think uh like even the top neurologists know exactly like what happens with that electricity in your brain they're still working on that i think but like there's no way to transfer that digitally uh, into so I, computer code and and still be considered human i don't think i don't not at this point in our existence I, and side note i love it when scientists say that we still don't understand something it makes me super excited well it also just means we're going to keep keep cracking at it too i don't so. think we'll ever quit it's, cracking it's I, good to have a goal i love goals but yeah <laughs> i i think that at this point in our existence there's no way to copy you and it still be you in another vessel yeah I, and i don't know if it's well, even i think attainable. you can i think again i think that cloning possibly uh, a very close replica of your consciousness might be possible But it won't be you experiencing you anymore. It'll be your copy. You won't have any... So, okay, it it creates a fork in the road, essentially. Okay, The minute that you replicate that, uh, there's another version of you. 
Kind of like when I'm in children. But you're not experiencing that version of you. That's creating new neurons in, within that either computer system or brain, let's say, if mm -hmm. it's like a biological clone. And then there's you creating your own memories. No matter what, there's a very different perspective. Even if you're standing right next to each other the whole time, you're still not occupying the exact same space as that copy. And that's another thing. Like, even if DNA functions exactly the same from human to human, everybody has a different perspective because we're not occupying the exact same space at the exact same time as those other humans. And you can't because it's, quantify it's physically experience. Impossible. You can't make every single minutia yeah. the same in that next copies. Yeah, so yeah. it can't so possibly you could, be you. You could take two humans yeah. and grow them right next to each other for the entire existence of their life. Their neurological, like... I guess memories will be completely different because they're not occupying the exact same space at the exact time. Or one's going to have a different thought about something than the other no matter what. No wonder we because one is so to the right and one is to the left of each other and they're going to see different things no matter what. Even if they're biologically yeah. identical. Well, twin even, studies even if it's sm something small. prove that. I mean, yeah, yeah they're, they're, so, just, they're not the same person even so though they're the, biologically the same. The minute that you replicate yourself, you're just basically creating a fork in the road of two different people. So there's you, you're still experiencing you till you die, and then there's the other version that's going to be completely different. You're not going to experience both at the same time. You're so. just perpetuating your biology. Yeah. That's all you're doing. And which you might as well just have children. And that's why transhumanism to me is pointless, in, at least as far as like downloading your consciousness to try to live on forever, um, because you already have that. It's called creating a child. Well, and I never thought about it in that context before, but it makes sense. As I said, if you're going to pass... Yeah. A bit of yourself, you can do that through progeny. Yes. And that's what all animals and insects and everybody that uh, every is capable form of reproduction. Of life, yeah. yeah, yeah, every form of life does. It's it's our only, f I think that as humans, uh, it, this is a hard reality to accept, but we are just vessels, essentially. And you we're know? finite. We're, we are just, our, our vessel is just the most advanced way that DNA has figured out how to rep keep replicating. It just requires a lot, I think, and we in our form. But there's other... If you look at, like, those single-celled organisms, yeah, it's still the same exact thing. It's just a mechanism of it DNA replication. That's yeah. literally all it is. Why DNA has to replicate, I don't know. It's like a machine that's just on, well, and it keeps doing its job. That's carbon-based thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's that spark. It's like, if you're alive, you're wanting to perpetuate. Mm -hmm. And that's fascinating to think about because... No human, I think, wants to cease existing. Even people that stop living, I think on some level, you, I don't know, do you think you keep going? Like, where does the energy I, go? There's all I don't those know. existential a, thoughts. Yeah, it's definitely very existential. This whole episode, I think, is going to be It's just an existential, existential tangent, and I'm yeah. fine with those because I think everybody at some point, unless you are really, really just not in touch with yourself at some point in your existence you're going to think about stuff i think about mm -hmm. stuff like this all the time but everybody does i think yeah. at some point and yeah. it's but then you don't want to talk about it to people unless you really are comfortable with them or you're really inebriated <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it sort of makes you a bit of a weirdo it's like yeah a little bit yeah, yeah you're all well, look oh, at einstein i know and and it's not like you're trying to be arrogant or think that Oh, I have these deep thoughts. A thought yeah. for your thought. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to, it's yeah. just, but I think that's also another thing. It's like, as a human, are people trying to constantly figure out a way around the system so that they're better than others or because they want to live forever or I'm smarter than you? What are the motivations behind wanting to live forever? That's what I could never figure out personally. I don't want to live forever. I don't. I'm the thought of floating through space still alive for eternity is the worst. I would rather go to hell if there was a hell. Or being buried in a box while still alive. Yeah. Like the idea of being imprisoned and not being able to move or experience things is one of, probably my yeah. greatest. It just it seems very boring. I think you reach a point where it's just boring. Well, or you're tired uh, if of you're being... invulnerable. If you're invincible, if you can't, if your consciousness cannot die, just imagine three thousand years from now and you're still alive and how fucking bored you would be. Well, and if you can't die, can you learn? Like, right. You're going to hit that threshold where it's like, uh, eh. you get very yeah. met. And I don't think we're designed for that. No. Probably shouldn't use the word We're designed, designed to live long enough to replicate our DNA as much as possible, I think. And then once but you replicate... But I don't replicate... think there's much of a purpose to it. Again, DNA is kind of like a machine that's left on. Ooh. Essentially, all we are is DNA. That's what makes us... up all of our cells. 
And each cell has its own little function and its own like DNA, and each one of those cells wants to replicate itself too. Can we blame this on our moms? Because our power kind plant, of. Because our power plant for our cells is yeah. our mitochondrial DNA, which we inherit from our mother. And that is the whole power plant for everything in our body. Yeah. Mom, I promise I'm working right now. I mean, like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then once you replicate, is that why life, you know, and then you raise your children. I'm almost at the end of raising my children. They're 13 and 15. And mm-hmm. so there's a perspective change in me now. Yeah. I, there's a shift. And I, I've been thinking, like I said earlier, I've become more apathetic. I really just don't care. Does that happen? There's things I want to do. I'm not a boring person, but right. I don't have this care that I used to. It's like, where did it go? Ah, that's a good question. Yeah, you're right in the middle of the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You're in the, you know, I, yeah, yours are babies I, uh, and five. And very young children for me. You don't even have time to think about anything at that age. <laughs> I'm surprised we even have a podcast. <laughs> I know. Well, we can talk about diapers. My, and My mental capacity is usually quite strained well, as it is. And then we, I like to, I also have to think about, you know, what we're going to talk about in the podcast and actually have some sort of like substance to, you know, blast into this microphone. We never have trouble. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I we mean, don't. if there's one thing I know been. that's a constant in this universe is that you and I, if we sit in chairs, Something's going to happen. Like, there's yep. going to be a talk of well, some like, sort. Well, that's how this episode came up. We were originally going to record uh, a, a more subject-based episode. Yep. Um, but then we just sat down and started talking before we ever hit record. And an hour went by like that of yep. these deep conversations, which you guys are catching sort of the tail end of. Yep. And we're I just decided, hey, you know what? We're an hour in. We should just hit record and see how long we can go. <laughs> we I digressed on our I digressing. So, like so we this were... episode's a little bit more freeform than normal. It's just more of just a conversation. No subject today, but I think you guys will still. But enjoy anybody it. with friends, isn't that one of your favorite things that happens when you're together with friends? People that you enjoy that you're comfortable with, and then you just kind of go off on a tangent, yeah. and you feel better afterwards. It's like you got. It's like a purge. You get a mentally purge. With people that you know aren't going to stab you if you have an opinion that's not exactly lined up. And I don't know. There's something cathartic about being able to just talk about what's floating around inside those neurons of yours. Yeah. Well, it's kind of just what I've done my whole life (laughs) and enjoyed. And that's, I mean, again, kind of why the podcast was born in the first place. Because I just, I've just naturally always had this urge to have these conversations all the time. With people. And I feel like there's people out there that'll enjoy that. Well, we know there are because people have told us so, that yeah. they like this. And also, I I want to talk. I am never not excited, double negative, sorry, grammar teacher, <laughs> to meet people that are interesting. Yeah. Like, I can, I'll find some logger that lives in a camper in the middle of nowhere that gets drunk every night just as interesting as I met a CEO that runs a biotech company who's a multimillionaire. Both of those people are interesting to me because both of their experiences... I don't know. I like listening to people. I like talking yeah. with them. It's it's it gives you a new perspective on even just the most basic of things that you talk about. Yeah. Because everybody has a different perspective, like I was saying. Yeah. So yeah, there's just something. I don't know. Humans, just in general, are like there's almost like a, a biological function to telling our story or having conversations like this because it just we have the we have the mechanisms to do it, our mouth and our ears and mm-hmm. the way our brain actually processes that Sensory information. organs. Yeah. Like, but we almost have this urge to spread the information around. It's sort almost of like, like we're almost like our DNA has the urge to replicate itself. We have this urge to replicate the information that we know or our perspective of like reality. Well, until we could do recorded people. media, this is how we yeah. spread ourselves too, is you talk to other humans. And then if your story was good enough, if you're a good enough orator, that story got passed down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what podcasting is, music is. We, yeah. Now we have this huge capability to save our experiences forever. Like, think of all the things that have been said throughout history or done or told that we don't get to hear because there was no way to preserve it. Yeah. We don't have that problem anymore. Not anymore. It's going to be like that forever now with the ability to do that. Um, it, it, this is hard to articulate the thought I have about this, but... I will listen. It's like... It's almost like... We're headed towards like a, a drive to be like a hive mind, mm. some kind of singularity of consciousness in a way, or a singularity of just existing, because we all want to share our opinions and our life story and our perspective with everybody else. And social media proves also that, you know, we want to record that story, have it there forever. Yep. Books and movies and all this other stuff. 
You wearing a swimsuit? Yeah, it's almost like we're trying to tell the universe to, like, combine us into some kind of a hive mind of one single thinker. I guess. Well, well maybe we maybe on. we are, and we just don't have access to the higher realm of that. I don't know. Like our con- <laughs> that we're all connected, but we're just not quite capable of yeah. consciously realizing that well, yet. Like hypothetically, there's some kind of a god form out there, in which our consciousness is a very each each one of our consciousnesses is just one little, like one little nerve ending to a giant. Like processing center of, of the information that we're experiencing. Is I don't that know. Why enough of well, okay. Think about war. When enough of us reverberate those little conscious strummings, so mm-hmm. to speak, then we do some big things. That's kind of what scares me about social media sometimes. Is if you get in right now, everybody's sort of factioned out, but it's becoming more homogenized because yeah. it's, I feel like this. Not that I believe in the evil empire, but I do feel like there's this subtle and not so subtle kind of growth and push towards getting us all to like submit to being a certain way, I don't, I'm right. not quantifying or speaking this outright, but it it's just like seems I can like feel it, it coming. It, like, yeah, no, it's, it, I see it. it. You can just kind of feel it and see it. And Is it a control thing? Is I, it just hive I don't know mind? because I don't think there's one. It, I think it is hive mind. And I it, it, goes, just, it goes kind of towards what I was saying because, like, I don't think there's one person behind it or the Illuminati. I don't either, it, but you feel it. I feel it when I read and because I do every morning I start out and I kind of just look at the left, the right, the middle, yeah. and I just what people are feeling. But it's almost all, a natural progression towards that they're whipped into a frenzy worldwide right now and it's an anxiety like right now our human species is in a very anxiety phase you know because very anxious it's not just one thing it's it's sort of reverberating and i don't know if it's because we can all fill each other's thoughts with the hive mind thing with the social media has been that great connector yeah i get very excited talking about this. like what if what if the same exact like World events are happening right now, but we didn't have social media. It'd be much slower. Yeah. Well, but now, I guess a good example of that was like 9-11. Yeah. I don't, social media wasn't really a thing. No, we when just had the internet, happened. but we didn't have social media. Yeah. There was but, AOL Instant Messenger. But like that, that zeitgeist still reverberated through the entire planet. It did. Like, like that one single event kind of, you know... And why that event? Other things had happened, but it was that particular yeah. event, which was a horrible event, but it's like it reverberated and everybody got on this bandwagon and look what happened. Mm-hmm. And now it's I feel very like we're interesting on the, to think about I feel that. like we're on the precipice. We're on the cusp of another major thing happening in human history, just based on the anxiety alone. Right now, there's so much anxiety. People's yeah. norms have been ripped out from under them. And it's now like we can the com- tank. The tank is building pressure. Yeah, and now we can communicate in a way that's instantaneous. So I've seen it all and the time. Global. They'll throw out a news story, right? I just instantly don't believe it's true because I've. It's been proven so many times. A lot of. <laughs> And, and so, but people have these reactions and they're starting to have it in that hive mind way. There's this massive outrage. Something needs to be done. And it's like, it's whipping people into this weird sort of frenzy. Yeah. It creeps me out a it's little interesting. bit. interesting. Because but it's, it is almost like we, Do we have a it's almost like, that? okay, it's almost like, this is really hard to articulate as well. I know. Just I'm, okay. The there. best no image, good. the best, the best way to kind of like create an allegory for this is like, have you ever seen those icicle Christmas lights? Yes. Where there's one long stream of wire. Yes. And then nodes coming off of it with lights on the nodes. Some of the nodes. Are, are I think, out. I like to kind of think of this like consciousness is a big set of icicle Christmas lights. Okay. Okay. Or even just regular Christmas lights. Okay. You have a chain of wire with lights. And each one of our consciousnesses is those lights, but okay. essentially there's still this wire it's still connected. sending the electrical signal through the whole thing. So is there like consciousness outside of our personal consciousness that's still connecting us all that we just don't have access to? Well, and I've heard other other you know big thinkers talk about this. Like Joe Rogan, for example, probably talked about this a few times. Oh yeah, he's never really broke it down into a, a, like a easily digestible way of thinking about think it. Like I just digest- tried to, but. Well, it's, it's kind of a hard thought to digest it, and it's very philosophical in a way, but it's like, is there a consciousness stream connecting everybody's together where we just don't have access to the full the bandwidth? Cri- you know, this brings up something, you know, we had our cryptozoology episode, but there's something that a lot of them talk about that, the metaphysical ones, that we had a sixth sense it's sort of an awareness sense and then because we you know so much is done for us and we don't have to survive you know that flight or flight thing yeah that that sense has become dulled on a lot of us 
what if that has to do with this consciousness thing? It's like an awareness of stuff beyond you, like a neural, you called it a neural link, but yeah. are we neurally linked to the rest of us? And that's why anxiety is almost groupthink at some point. Yeah, and it, and it also would explain a little bit of empathy, how that even functions in, in, in and of itself. I hate how social media manipulates empathy. It drives me bananas. It's like, I think that part of being a grown-up is being able to remove yourself from a bad situation apply logic to it also apply empathy you need both or mm -hmm. you're going to be a jerk and then come back into it make a decision and we are not seeing that well that's kind of why we have therapists in a way Maybe not a lot we... of people use that but Do it's essentially instead now? of instead of pulling yourself out of the situation thinking about it logically and then applying that logic to it to move forward we have a third party who's not immediately in that emotional i guess turmoil that mm -hmm. you would be in essentially so they're able to apply that logic so on directly to the situation for you and then you can choose to take that however you want so on telehealth we need an on-demand therapist because it's yeah. all instantaneous now so are, actually that could be a thing that would work is you almost do need an on-call mm -hmm. human that you could say hey i'm really upset that this person just did this and I'm, I can, but you also have to have self-awareness enough to stop yourself. And a lot of people aren't now. They're just knee-jerk reactionary all the time. Yeah. Start a boycott. Cancel this. But if that. they were to talk to, like, a third party not in their direct system of emotions. That might. That third party, you know, again, that's why therapists exist. Because they're a third party that isn't experiencing what you're experiencing. Most... So they're able to kind of just look at it from a whole different point of view and go, okay, here's what you should do. Most humans do not have the resources to have a therapist. Well, at least in our country. That's true. The fi so I don't that's know why that's not something that we just all have access to for free. I feel like that's something as a species. And that's another thing. I hate the idea of taking from other people and just giving away. But I think as a species, we can make decisions to be like, hey, this we all need. Mm -hmm. So let's work together or come up with a product or do something as a species. Like, like therapy, so many problems could be alleviated if you sometimes people just had a person to talk to. That was yeah. professionally trained to be like, you know, help them, not tell them what, what to do. What about an artificial intelligence? It could even be that. But I don't know if other humans would respond to a non-human as well as yeah. you do to well, a human. Well, a non-human won't be able to necessarily empathize as well as and a human would. That's back to that sixth but sense thing. you don't necessarily always need empathy. To make decisions? To, to create good advice. Siri, activate human help mode. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is I don't that... know how it could be done. I don't know the, the mechanics of how it would like operate necessarily an on-demand therapist could be but a thing though the only way to do it in a way that doesn't like incite socialism necessarily <laughs> is uh is kind of would would be like an ai well or I voluntarianism like Vo yeah voluntarianism works and everything but again it, you're still you know we have relying on somebody other... wanting to donate their time and effort i am an on-demand therapist to no less than 10 or 15 people and yeah. i don't get paid but i do it because i care and but it is also incredibly draining because exactly. the people that do therapy it's a lot to ask of somebody and that's why i think we need someone non-biological to do that oh my gosh though would it be the same that's that sixth sense thing though brady like that the empathy thing, the collective consciousness thing, can an AI actually effectively... I think an AI can totally counsel people on actual black and white decisions. Yeah. Like, I mean, should I buy this house? No, you're applied, not in that financial decision. When it comes to logic, it doesn't get much better than an AI. I think it's better exactly than Because that's exactly how AIs function. Yeah. Objective logic. But emotions? But yeah, when it comes down to Ooh, emotions... I like this tangent. If you're not human, I don't think you can empathize with human emotion. It's impossible. Well, we do How have could a, you? We have you a non-human... You could even program, like, I guess a simulation of our of our emotions into some kind of, a, like, an, an artificial intelligence, but it, there's no way it would be the same. I was just thinking, you could take the most empathetic person alive, program their patterns of behavior into a simulation, and that could be an effective... I don't think a human will react as well, though. And I just thought about, you know, we're going into this... Ooh, nice. We're going into this realm right now where we have the first AI uh, actor that's going to act in a movie. Um, yeah. And so, oh, as a exciting. human, I want to watch it and see if I respond to that the same way I do. Because when humans act, there are people out there that can elicit emotion from me. Yeah. Through their acting. Because you, it makes you feel about your experiences. Can, can an AI do that? And I, if an AI can we'll do that... We'll find out, I suppose, soon. Then they could but maybe it's, but With a movie, though, it's more or less just a portrayal of emotions. And I, I don't know. I'm confident, in a way, that an AI could do that. Portray... 
humans having emotions, but there would just be no way for an AI to understand those emotions. I do, I do have an I, I do have confidence that it could portray them though. Oh, I believe then 100%. you're just more like an emulation at that point. The AI actor will probably be the greatest actor of all time. Technically, yeah, an AI anything will be the greatest anything of all time. That's because just kind it won't of the nature mistakes. of AI. But I love mistakes. That's how we learn. Mistakes things. are human. That's yeah. part of everything. And I think that's our shared collectiveness. Is mm. that we all know, no matter how awesome, even the most successful of us, even Elon Musk has bad days, uh-huh. and he's made bad decisions, and. And not just him. I just mean I use him as an example because he's a current example of right. a very successful person. But he's had bad days, and we know does, at yeah. the end of the day, we've all had gastro. What is it? Gastrointestinal distress together. I mean, like, <laughs> so how yeah. an AI is not going to have that? They can't even empathize with that. Can an AI feel empathy? I think they can Probably mimic not. it. I think an AI can pick up on cues and understand this person is showing they've this emotion, that. but that's not like they're going to feel that emotion in the way that we feel it. It, it, you know what I mean? Then it, it's an, even with artificial intelligence, it's still if then because. I know it's very. But there's not old. really. I mean, there's no emotions to it because our emotions are chemical. Okay, like in this. Nature. And, and, and when you're talking about analog versus digital, it's you know completely different worlds. I have a perfect example of this. I've lost a ton of weight and kept it off in my life. I, if I counsel someone, say that I become a coach or a health person or what is that, a certified nutritionist. I have an experience that that person can see me as having an authority in the sense that I have successfully done this and I can empathize with, I know what it's like to be a fat person. Mm -hmm. That is huge. I don't think a machine, I don't think a code can have that. They can say, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. And I think using AI to get advice from is genius. Yes. On actual, but I do not think... When it comes to objective reality, it won't get much more accurate than an AI system, but... Emotionals? Again, when it comes to a, any kind of emotional I connection, I don't think it's gonna. We're not it's there not yet. It's not gonna work. I'm not definitively yeah. saying it cannot happen because that's arrogant and. There's I'm just not. no. They, they, just, they just don't have the mechanism. Unless what you is could, the unless you could, unless you could program a consciousness and download it into an actual biological body, like a. Let's say you have a cadaver. Yeah. If you could code consciousness, I don't think it's possible. How do you do but that? But hypothetically, if you could write. The code for consciousness in a way that the neurons in that cadaver's brain cells would understand mm-hmm. and put somehow put that in those signals into the brain. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. And that's a big Because maybe. again, emotion is biochemical. It's it requires the organs that we have to release those chemicals and the and the nervous system can you know, basically dictating that. And so I mean I it's hard to do this without like disparaging what humanity is in general. It also makes but you feel like, a little bit of despair, too. It, that's what I mean. Like, it, it's kind of what we are. We what are, makes us flawed also makes us awesome. Yeah, but what that, essentially, we're just a bunch of chemicals. We're just a bunch of DNA. But we're more than chemicals. Yeah. So all of those emotions that you feel, as genuine as they are and as genuine as they feel, are just electrical signals going to an organ to release a certain chemical, in which case changes the cellular activity in your body to do something or another. You know, you name it. There's, well, I know, there's a bunch of different functions for it. And an AI isn't having any of that. Yeah. And, and I think that the variance between, like, how you're... We both are obviously excited about this conversation, but how we are both releasing chemicals right now is completely different, and that's what makes humanity awesome. Exactly. Is we are having the same experience, but how we're experiencing it is completely different. Yes. And that is why AI, as awesome as it is, is not going to get to that point anytime soon. No. As awesome as AI is going to be... It's amazing. It's never going to be human. Think of how much it's changed our lives in the last five years anyways. Yeah, and those to... are just neural nets. Yeah, they're not actual. We don't even have a, we don't technically have an, a, a real artificial intelligence as I guess you would hope for, or I guess as, as what was being, like we don't have like Skynet. We no. don't have anything self-aware yet necessarily. Do you think we're ever going to have anything self-aware? I've uh, probably not. It's just the, I think just the very nature of how machines work in general. What Even if, if they were aware of themselves, like what are they? What's their purpose? Okay, but what about transhumanism? Let's go. Let's go back to this. If we get so perfected in our augmentation, it'll become a new organism, and technically, it could be an AI that thinks Possibly. for itself. It's because that's it's, true. It might not. When does something cease being human? At what point of augmentation? I don't think that's a, a question that has been answered yet either. Oh, and I know smarter people than me are thinking about it and uh-huh. talking about it. Like there's so much going on in the world of quantum. Like because yes. that's where they're thinking about these things, you know, and. I wish I knew more well, about it. I get I, morose I, about I love it. studying quantum, like quantum mechanics. Yes. Because 
basically, uh, in very layman's terms, what quantum mechanics is doing is studying the smallest building blocks that we can possibly perceive using technology mm -hmm. to figure out how things function on the most basic of levels. Yeah, we're, we're taking this amazing thing and we're just using it to learn how things work. Mm -hmm. Think about once you, we get past that if point. If you can learn how things work from the smallest of building blocks, then it's easier to see the bigger picture of why things function the way they do in reality. And think about And the more that we look at it, the more we realize reality is uh, is just impossible to understand. It's only existing because we observe it right now. Mm -hmm. it, and that's a little bit, oh, as far as an existential meme goes, that one is a mind blower. Because mm -hmm. it's like, what's actually going on right now in this moment? Other there, than there are two sides of uh, the fence to that kind of idea, uh, that idea though. Is uh, you have you had the quantum physicists that believe that the particle is a waveform until observed, and then it becomes a particle form. Mm -hmm. But now there's all these other quantum physicists on the other side of the fence saying the tool that's observing it changes it fundamentally because of the tool being part of the experiment, and it's not the observing as an action that's changing the particle. Mm -hmm. It's the tool itself being involved. Which is more, I'm more on I that don't camp. I don't know about which camp I'm in necessarily on that one. Uh, how about both? I think I'm, I'm in the agnostic part of that where it's like, I don't know. Well, no, and, so I, I think, don't think they know because they're arguing one, about it. That's how exactly. I know they don't know. That's how science progresses. <laughs> I think that that is the least arrogant and most positive, smart answer that you could ever have is I don't know. Yeah. It's very humbling to be able to say that. It's okay to not know stuff. I My nephew is doing quantum chemistry, <clears> a doctorate, a PhD at it at WCU, and one of the most incredible and terrifying conversations I've ever had was at a restaurant in Pullman with a Russian <laughs> PhD chemistry student and he was rather inebriated but the stuff that came out of his mouth made me feel so small hmm. because the stuff that they're doing they're beaming particles at things just to see what happens and they have had things disappear they don't know where it went and when I say things I mean particles right now at WSU mm -hmm. they're making particles disappear by doing things with them and where do they that is what they're trying yeah. to discover and it's like where do they go that's a good question I don't know if we'll know for a long time they're figuring the, it out the particles the, come they're back they're trying to though. do the there's like studies I heard about where they think they observed two, a particle existing in two places at the same time mm -hmm. I and that's an, that would be an, an, a really interesting like uh, uh, point of view to think about how reality, like what reality is, if that is the case. I want to take an Ant-Man trip to wherever those particles go when they send them. Yeah. Where, where is this space beyond? Like what, how is understanding that space going to help us as humans? Like what are the questions? Oh, yeah. Does it, uh, the other question on that same, in that same frame is like, does it matter? That's what I mean. If like, it doesn't change Is humanity. it just us doing our whole ape yeah. thing, poking an anthill well, with a stick? I like, think maybe the whole very like, reason most of the time that we do science is to answer questions that usually are very related to being human or that will push us forward technologically or something our of that quest those. of knowledge well, is self -centered. mostly science is done because science takes resources to to study things takes time and, and resources right yes so normally we reserve those time and resources for more or less important questions we need answered which is why or way or uh, something to make a profit which in is the, why in, in alien, chemistry in alien movies <laughs> we always fight the aliens because either they're coming here to steal our stuff or we want to steal their stuff to make our lives better yeah so we're all jerks but in my mind quantum the quantum sciences and the quantum studies are i don't even think they're going to have much of an effect on how we perceive reality but they're still doing them just to like understand it. But is that understanding going to push us forward at all? What's think, it really going to do? Well, in quantum computing it is. Yeah. It's pushing us forward a long way. Yeah. I think it might be like an inverse effect or, you know what I mean? Well, and it's just... But I don't you're know. You're getting what's... It's the ultimate existential topic quantum is because... Yeah. Do we need to know what goes on to move forward? In that space, I don't know. Maybe in one niche or another. I don't. I guess. Well, I guess in quantum computing, it's helping us because we're able to compute yeah. so much more stuff, and that actually computing power is well, one of the greatest to, things to move us forward. Because uh, Moore's law. Yeah. Which is roughly, I'm not a freaking computer scientist, but I sort of understand Moore's law. We have reached capacity on the basic level, but it's basically uh, the computer processors become smaller. Mm -hmm. and algorithmically more, they double in power in each size decrease. 
And there's like a there's an actual equation to it. I don't really is wanna... transhumanism applying that concept to us as humans? Probably, but and basically we're Sorry. going to reach a point where you just literally cannot get a processor any smaller, which uh, inherently means it's not going to become any more powerful either. So we'd have to just apply more processors. And so does that it's basically we're coming to a point where Moore's law cannot apply anymore because of physical size. You cannot get any smaller than an atom or whatever. And so what quantum computing is trying to do is um, move beyond Moore's law of computing. Or into the next phase of it. Because Basically when, because yeah. then we're going to be working on subatomic particles as computer processors. Good Lord. But come to find out, these particles they're experimenting on with quantum computing are immensely more powerful than any of the microprocessors we make now. Mm -hmm. And obviously way more small. So... Think about the amount of space 10 silicone particles takes up as opposed to even the smallest processor now. We're just but it's going to be next... immensely more powerful than that small processor just having a few silicone atoms, essentially. Well, and it goes back to that when growth and discovery stop, life stops. I kind of think that's how it is. It's, if we don't constantly keep moving forward, it's like that. Well, maybe, maybe humanity won't, but... Well, DNA will. Well, <laughs> DNA will perpetuate. Because look at a dog doesn't care about computers. Well, I mean us. And I mean that's where we're different. I feel like we always have this desire, isn't that built into our DNA, to just yeah. constantly be moving forward. Because people, most humans are not happy to just exist. You know, like like you just brought up a dog. The dog doesn't care. Sun comes up, sun goes down. Dog yeah. eats food, dog poops in yard. Like, they're And they're wonderfully complex creatures, too. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that weird, innate desire to constantly challenge life. Yeah, there's something that humans have, whether it be God-given or inane, or innate, or inane. Oh, are they? Sure. Anyway, or, whether it's God-given or, or otherwise, evolved. Um, we seem to have this drive to always learn and challenge just the very nature of reality, I guess. And some For of whatever us have reason. more drive than others. Is it That's that our weird. DNA... Or is it that our DNA is plugged into the consciousness stream that connects us all and it realized that we need to build technology to get off this planet and, and, know what's coming. and, and occupy the space of the universe that's so much more immense than just one planet? So, I don't know. So we're actually... It's fun to think about. I think about it all the time. What the hell gives us this drive that other animals don't seem to have? And we have varying levels of drive. Well, you brought yeah. up the hive mind where we're all connected type thing. And so maybe that makes more sense that some of us have more drive than others. Like each part yeah. plays their part. And that's a lot of that's a lot. And to again, I'm not saying that we are part of a hive mind or that we, oh, I'm, I'm just stating what just I observe. Because like we can't, we don't have a tangible way to prove gravity. All we can do is say here's its effects. Where you can measure its effects. Heck, I I, it's yeah. the same thing with that. I, I can't prove that we're, there's some kind of consciousness stream above ours that connects us all. But it, there seems to be some effects. There are observable that's my things. Hy, that's my hypothesis in a way, I guess, of that. Because it just kind of seems like that. I'm not, I'm not saying you're trying to say that's that's how reality is. I'm not necessarily even putting much well, effort into studying it. So you're not... But I can it. see small effects of that, I guess, in a way. You've observed it's, something, it, it so... It almost seems like that. I could be completely wrong, though. Well, but you're okay with admitting you're wrong. That's mm -hmm. like, This whole conversation, all of our wrong. podcasts that we have, I just want to talk about things because that's how you learn. Yeah. It's like, I don't mind being challenged. I don't care if people call me an idiot. I, I actually encourage everyone it. to challenge us because that yeah. gives us a way to interact with you guys on the comments. Which we would like to do because coffee <laughs> and commentary. As long as you're not a complete dickhead. Which are, there are plenty of those. Well, and that's okay. When you can, t obvious trolling, if that does something for you, go somewhere else. But if you <laughs> genuinely disagree with us, I would yeah. love to know why. And, and I, I would talk to you because I hate this thing going around right now where you can't be friends with people unless you're 100% like them. Yeah. It's like, no, I want to be friends with people and talk to people and have a community of people that challenge everything in a respectful way. Yeah. Or maybe even you can make fun of me. I love being made fun of. Well, it's like you said where it seems like there's this weird like phenomenon where... It's like we're all trying to be the same and homogenized. Yeah, I don't uh, want to be the like same. Like homogenized consciousness in a way. Or, I don't. That's just not human in my opinion. No, it brings nothing there, to the table. There's something about being different and learning from different people I who hate have different conformity. opinions and different perspectives. Um, it's it's almost a requirement to just be sane. I to have different opinions different to interact opinion. with. I behave myself because I care about other people, not because there's arbitrary laws about it. 
exactly. That, that is my thoughts on that. I don't want to cause harm to any other creature with my actions. Not because some overlord is telling me, Katie, yeah. you do this. It's like not because well, Big Papa government no. tells you to. And I wish more people would realize that mm-hmm. you are you are in control of a lot more than you think you are. And they don't like okay. With your money, if you don't like the way someone is, some store or something, you don't need to get on Twitter and start tweeting about it. Yeah. Just don't you shop don't need there. To, you don't need to call Papa Trump up and say you need to ban this business because yeah. they're bad. Ban that. It's like no. You don't just make change with your wallet. Use your voice. You have these vocal cords in your body and talk that to are people. really good at projecting sound waves, and you can control those sound waves to influence other people. And if you have a legitimate point. They'll follow Other people you. will go, oh, okay. That's how the free market functions. And don't get if, so wrapped up If a up business in is being bad, then, you you know, word will get out, and then that business will fail. Okay? Because nobody wants to buy from a bad company or have a bad product when there's good products to be bought. That's how the free market functions. But also, don't be so wrapped up in yourself that you demonize something just because it has a different opinion from you. I, I'm yeah. so tired of that, too. It's like... Okay, option A, I don't like you. Okay, I'm cool. I don't need to be number one web star. I'm going to go over here and do stuff with my people. And I might talk to some people about it, but there's this weird thing where if someone has an ideological difference than you, you need to wreck their entire life and dox them and all that stuff. It's like, who the heck does stuff like that? Do you not have enough to do with your time? I personally love interacting with people with a different ideology than me because I learn. It, It helps to have a... You have to have a different perspective to compare your own perspective to. Of, of, with anything, any subject, any little tiny subject even. And you need to be comfortable if, enough in yourself not if, to be afraid of someone else's perspective. Let's just make a quick example. If you don't like a movie, okay, okay. <clears throat> but you're talking to someone who likes that movie, I feel like it's important to have that discourse with the person as to why they like that movie. Yeah. And you tell them why you don't like the movie. And then it's just, if anything, you both come out of it knowing why other people might like that movie. And, but or, you don't why, keep... or they'll understand why other people don't like the movie. And then guess what? Progress happens because then, you know, just collectively humans realize, okay, what's not to like? What is there to like? And things change from there and become better. And you don't hate that person's entire existence because they don't like a movie that you like. Yeah. How is that going to change? How is that going to help anything in the world if we just, if we don't like someone's opinion and we just don't like them at all? Well, I see that happening in the world Because there's other nuance too. Because you might, that person might not like that particular movie that you like or whatever but what about other things in life than just movies what if you guys share a common interest in a book well and i've traveled a lot in my life because we moved a lot and i have found you can find something with so far i've not met a person that i haven't found common ground with one topic with Hmm. it's you know i've I've, sometimes i'll be stuck in a ferry terminal for 20 hours i (laughs) when i was a kid i'm no joke and and there's something one it's just being curious not jerk human and sometimes you don't want to talk. I'm just saying that the, if you make an effort, I find this in the library all the time. I work in a public library part-time, guys, and I have we have a lot of people moving here from the state that shall not be named right now, and they are so shocked when I'm nice to them. Is that a thing now? People are just not nice to people? Probably, yeah. I, I call them my refugees because they're, one, they're shocked that they, they don't, it is different for them because life is a little slower here in North Idaho. Mm-hmm. But they're truly, genuinely, one, amazed that I'm being kind to them, and two, they're shocked that I'm not being a jerk. And it's like, have we got that far as a species where we're just demanding, we're rude to people that actually help us out, and we're so wrapped up in ourselves that our opinion is our sole identifier as a human? Like, if you don't share my opinion, you somehow somehow invalidate my humanity? Like, yeah, is that what social media has done? A little bit, maybe. It's kind of hard to pass the entire blame on social oh, media. No. I, well, I'm just saying, I seem... But it's I definitely know. become a tool that's almost, like, amplified that kind of I existence. also am not a social media hater. I love it. It connects me to people. I think it's a great tool. Yeah, I just don't like some I think it's an, Actually, I think it's an important tool, and it was almost inevitable to have that tool. Yes. Just, again, the way that we're seem to be kind of, like, heading towards a hive mind. Ooh, the hive mind. Social media was, like, the big, like evolutionary like the next leap the next it was the big leap towards that i think it's being scary. able to communicate and post little little opinions and at any little, given time of the day to everybody on the planet at once if you want to um but like 
I just, I don't know. It's a powerful tool. We just need to learn to use it more wisely. It's scary and awesome yeah. at the same time. Because well, we can use it as a tool to make our existence better on this planet, or we can or we can just sit here and argue about the fucking big orange meanie all day. This is true, and I, uh, I, I, I sometimes get nervous that we are rapidly hurtling into the screenplay of idiocracy a lot when I look at <laughs> My son will come show me little TikToks. And I'm all, ooh, is that what we're doing with our time? Yeah. TikTok, I have a bit of a problem with it because it seems more or less a platform for people to go, look at me, give me attention, more than any of the other social media platforms, personally. Have you seen some just of the, my the little clips? Well, because it's a Vine. I mean, that was the... Vine the, was a good was example the, of that, too, it was yeah. The, and it's very... Um, some of the stuff is hysterical, but it's yeah. all very it's entertaining. Topical. There's a lot of entertainment value to TikTok. It's just kind of creepy. And but I it also plays into that... The, the social the social media downfall of I need my dopamine drip give me likes and it's so fast each one each new thing is faster 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 you know what I mean mm-hmm. like 15 seconds 30 it's attention span I think we might have covered this in one of the episodes but I think it's we like, talked about um, that uh, there's so much content media content out there whether it be your friend's Twitter post or uh, the new YouTube video that dropped an hour ago. Or, you know... It's overwhelming. A new movie that came out. Your time is stretched so thin, and it's very limited on this planet, your time. It's a very valuable thing to have. And so now these companies have to basically compete for chunks of your attention more than anything. They're not trying to get your dollar anymore. No, That's it's all an about, old model. It's all okay, that was attention. That was the original dot-com boom. Everybody competing for your dollar. The new dot-com boom is... I guess it's just more like an app boom. Everything's app-based now. Mm-hmm. But it's all... They're just trying to compete for you. your eyeballs for chunks of time. Like 30 seconds of your eyeball attention is extremely valuable nowadays. Because they get paid for it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like they're trying to buy you. Like you said, it's not even... Essentially, they are, yeah. Yeah, and so it's tailored to you algorithmically as well. It's really... We have leapt just in the last couple of years. So much has changed in advertising. Yeah, and how it's things a, are delivered to us. It's a completely new playground now for them. Yeah. Uh, and that'll also probably be evolved further anyway. But imagine we have those neural links, Ooh. and all of a sudden advertisements are just immediately programmed into our brains through neurological signals rather than I just than don't know if I'd like that being hacked, Brady. I, just the yeah. noise. Sometimes I'm finding myself wanting it, to it, turn it off. It scares me a little bit. Yeah. Because they're already trying to program you to drink Pepsi, for example. I'm just making a small example here, okay? We're not evil empire. They're programming but, yeah. you through visual cues to want to drink Pepsi. Imagine if they could just go into your freaking brain and go, you're going to drink Pepsi, period. They can pretty much just control your urge to want well, the Pepsi. Yeah. Or they could see your vitals and know that you're feeling a little tired right now. Uh-huh. Let's here's this energy drink that yeah, and it's just kidding. yeah. Think about how the algorithm works now. Imagine when they have more access to the different types of information of, about you. I find they that already terrifying. have they already have access to way more information than they should as advertisers to be oh, able yeah. to tailor the ads to you. And in one sense, that's a good thing because I, as a man, don't need tampon ads. Okay. True. And as from an advertiser's perspective, it's a lot better to go, ah, if I tailor this ad to these specific types of people, more of those people who are going to buy my product in the first place are going to see it. It's not wasted on people who won't. But we'll also look at it from like a, like a nefarious point of view. There's no more privacy. They, they know everything about you and can, again, if they can see your vital signs and give you an advertisement for an energy drink, it's like almost like... Like, what? what's free will anymore at that point? It's so impersonalized, though. They How's know everything the about you, but function? they don't know you. It's it's kind of creepy, right? Yeah. It's like, like you said, they can see your vital signs, and they're like, oh, their blood sugar's a little high. I'm going to ke- do this keto bar to them because I I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's a little weird. But I don't it's, know and I... it's not just, pr- it's at that point, yes, they're going to be able to do that with products, but now picture them doing that with ideologies. Oh, I it's know. already bad enough with the whole, like, the... Uh, Voting persuasion through Left social media. right. Yeah. Well, th- that's a real thing that happened. It really does. Yeah. No, I... The, now these 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 Russian social media farms, okay, can they just have a thousand people sitting in a room with a laptop and a social media account, and they're going to go through and try to sway people's ideas through memes and and rants and it through works. text. Psychological. Imagine if yeah. they could go straight into your freaking brain and do that. 
I know, and by and, analyzing and your, your biochemicals, know which way you could lean. Because yeah. I do think empathy, we have different levels of it based on our you know hormonal makeup and our DNA. And so it's like some people are more predisposed to follow certain ideologies than others. You're right. Imagine if they could just biohack you. Yeah. Imagine if they can into... cut through the bandwidth of having to use your thumb to scroll and see something and process your visual information into thoughts. Imagine if it just straight to thoughts. That's what scares me. And it's being done already. Yeah. E- Elon Musk has a very positive vision of this. I don't know why. Because it scares the shit out of me. Well, because I also have a very realism approach to how humans are. Most most people, it's what's in it for me and mm-hmm. what can I do to get what I want. Yeah. And I don't know. And if you don't have an ideology that you live by that tempers that, you are not a nice person. Usually, yeah. And I know it shouldn't boil down to nice or not nice, but I don't, there's been a lot of de- lot done in our history by people that are just wanting to one-up people or be on top of the chain. And I don't want to... Can you imagine if they could see in your brain? Yeah, I don't know if I like that. We might have to wrap it up. And not even more. like see in your brain, but be able to just change the, the neurochemistry. That's freaking creepy, too. With an electrical too. signal that's, you know... Going through the 5G network, it'd probably be like 10G by then. I just think I need to live on my own uh, island if it gets to that point. And I'm hoping I'm not alive when it comes to that, honestly. See, I have no trouble. I, I don't want to, like, die right now. But I'm just saying, dying is not scary to me, the prospect it of it. It is part of life. It is. And it's 100% fatal. You're it's gonna... almost like the, the very destination that our journey, everybody's journey culminates to. Like, we're all on a journey, right? I'm ready for the Everybody's next, yeah. final destination is death. I don't know... Nobody freaking knows where we go after that. But it might be another journey, and I'm okay with that. It could be a whole other journey, which would be exciting to me. Especially if you weren't limited by the physical world. I could be cool with that. Yeah. Or we become part of some collective consciousness, feeding the rest of the people who are still alive. Either way. (laughs) Feeding the rest of... What if 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 we're doing this right now? Yeah, what if that's what the collective consciousness stream is? Is Above the the node that we're tapped into of our own consciousness. talking about the main wire of the Christmas lights. Yeah, the main wire that connects us all. What if that's just, uh, you know, everyone who's past combined into one general consciousness stream. I guess we'll I don't know. know. we it's go to, to next about. phase. Yeah. I'm not scared of it. Oh, but we're, we're going to have to wrap, have to wrap up. up on that note. Uh, the baby is awake now. So uh, I hope you listening. guys enjoyed our random conversation. I loved it. Hope you did too. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We like to end every episode off with a positive news story. This week's news story comes to us from The Sun, and it's about Dr. Peter Scott Morgan, a man who has been diagnosed with motor neurone disease. It's a disease that wastes you away, like Dr. Stephen Hawking recently passed away from, and he wants to become the world's first cyborg and beat this in a way that no one has ever done. So make sure you check out that fascinating news article and make sure you like and subscribe to this video. It really helps support the channel. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. Soon we'll be announcing when we upload to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and others. Thank you.